Good morning. I hope you're having a good weekend. You're dodging the rain, getting to do some things outside in between all of that. Let me give you the big idea for today's message. We've been talking for several weeks about the nature and the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. And our focus uh, still is kind of on him, on, on that person in our life. But what I hope today will happen is that we begin to understand a little better about how does the Holy Spirit's relationship affect me? Who is he in my life and how do I appropriate that? So let's take off and we'll see how far we get. Uh, The big idea today is this. A person who tries to live the Christian life by his or her own, you know, your strength, your strength, your power, your intelligence, your righteousness, you know, your goodness, experiences a lack of power and never achieves God's intended purpose. You can live your whole life with the label Christian, you know, follower of Jesus, believer, whatever the terminology uh, that you pick that you're the most comfortable with when you identify with Christ and never know the essence and how real and, and authentic it can be for him to live in and through you. So here's the application. Here's what I hope happens for us uh, before we leave. That we would understand a little better that we need to and how to surrender ourself. uh, Who we are. You know, our personality, our flesh. Again, whatever terminology you're used to. But when we surrender ourself, who we are, to God and allow Jesus to live his life in us. And then through us makes all the difference uh, in the world. Now, most houses uh, here, at least, are wired for uh, both 110 and 220, right? You've got you've got both of those, um, you know, volts running through your house, and your small appliances. Maybe something like uh, this coffee machine up here is is a 110. Okay, but then for your bigger items, maybe uh, your dryer or your air conditioner or something like that, uh, you know, it's going to, your stove, it's going to need more power. So that's 220. We all get that, right? And it's really hard because, uh, to make a mistake here because the plugs look so different. You know, you're not going to take a 110 and plug it in, you know, to 220 because it, it, it kind of won't fit. But in other places, in international uh, locations, the plugs look the same. In some European nations and in some African nations, the places look, you know, it's, it's the same. So if you plug in your 110 hair dryer, first of all, it's going to be really, really cool because you're going to think, I had no idea my hair dryer would do this. It's going to go, Whoa! I mean, just, it's going to work really, really good, like at turbo speed for about five or six seconds and then it's just going to burn up okay it's just it's going to zap because that's 220 uh, it just burn up in a second so if you could do the same thing say your stove you take a 220 stove and you plug it in to a 110 it's going to do just the opposite it's going to be weak it's going to be underpowered uh your tamales your you know burritos your all none of that's ever going to get hot okay it's just not going to cook so here's, here's the point from that, is that a person who tries, even if you try your best, 
We have guys in the, you know, you want to talk about Old Testament, you want to talk about Old Covenant, you talk about Isaiah. I mean, who's better? This guy's a professional prophet. He's so good at being righteous. I mean, you put your life up against his and you think he wins every time. But when he was confronted with the holiness and the righteousness of God, he said, I'm undone. I can't come near that. I am so unclean. And he was the best of the best. He was MVP. So if, if you're looking at Old Covenant and you're thinking, wow, I'm never going to measure up. If that guy doesn't, then I certainly don't have a chance. You go forward to the New Testament and you look at somebody, I think, okay, who's the best Christian I know? Got to be the Apostle Paul. It's got to be Paul. And Paul said, here's my credentials. And he lists all these things about himself. And he said, I'm really good. I am humbly the best of the best. I'm the most righteous guy you're ever going to meet. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm a teacher of the law. I've got it memorized. He's that guy in your Bible study, in your small group, who always says, oh, yes, I believe that's Matthew 10, 23. And he just says it. And he says, of course, in the Greek, it means this. You know, and you think like, oh, wow, you're that guy. Paul was that guy. But he said, as good as I am, as I have tried my whole life to get this right and to be perfect, everything about me on my very best day, my righteousness it's like filthy rags. It's like garbage. In contrast to the holiness of the Lord. So when I bring my best efforts and I try to live the Christian life, and I'm sincere in that, and I want to do it, and I do it in my own strength, I either end up like a burned out hair dryer, because it's just too much, you know, and, um, or an underpowered stove. I surge ahead, and some of you, you just surged ahead at this frantic pace, and you know, and you just went, whoa, Jesus, and after about a month or two months or a year or two years, you think, oh, I just kind of burned out, I don't know, and either you walked away, or you drifted away, and some of you just left the whole thing, yeah, I tried Christianity, what, you know, that, that sort of a catch-all, and it's like, I tried that, yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah, not, not so much. Yeah, I try. Yeah, geez, for a while. And I used to be into that. And you just fizzled. And then some of us did, did something else. We, we thought, well, I, I kind of believe, I know there's enough truth here that I can't do that. I can't walk away from Jesus. As quirky and as weird as his people are sometimes, or the systems, or as confusing as denominations and all of the structures can be, I can't leave Jesus. I know he's real. So we just kind of go along. And, and, and it's just a hard way to live. And some of you are living like that. Maybe you're a good church member. You know, we're, we're good at being religious. We're good at being uh, whatever you're from. You're Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian or non-denom or whatever. You think, yeah, I've kind of figured out this system or this is the one I like or that I seem to agree with. And I'm pretty good at that, but I don't feel, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm cooking. <laughs> I, I just, I think it, there's a lack of power in my life. Is this it? I remember riding with a friend of mine in a car, and we were, I was in the passenger seat, and, and the thought just came to me, is this it? And he thought I was talking about the next turn, because we were going downtown to party. <laughs> and I said, is this it? And he goes, no, this isn't it. It's the next, you know, we're going down. And I go, no. No, is this our life? Is this all we're going to do? 
We're just going to go to different seasons and phases. And in, instead of going downtown, uh, we'll get old. And we'll start liking country. And, and instead of clubs, we'll go to honky-tonks. Or I mean, is this our life? Is this, is this all there is to it? And that's the way a lot of us kind of see people live. I don't want you to suffer from a lack of power or I don't want you to live a life where you never achieve God's intended purpose for you. Now, God has wired us for 220. This is kind of corny, but uh, just a coincidence, and I look forward to it. So I want us to look at Galatians 220. I'm a dad, okay? We're allowed. We say stuff like that all the time, and we still think it's pretty funny. Um, this single verse kind of sums up a lot of New Testament verses. I could have chosen several other passages from John, from, from the life of Christ, uh, especially from Paul, because this theme is just dominant in almost all of his letters, all of his writings. But I chose Galatians 2.20 because I really think that this verse sums up as well as any other verse um, and contains this, the secrets for living the Christian life. So here's God's life-changing 220 principle, okay? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, when I was a kid, we learned a thing. You know how you memorize information, whether it's for science or history or math or whatever, all the formulas and stuff. And at that time, we believed that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Uh, and we said this, in 1492, um, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And I've never forgotten that. And that's how I remembered, you know, that he sort of found America. And the way that that happened, he didn't really invent America he didn't get here and say, you know what? This is really cool. This is going to be America. I'm going to put some condos here and a Weigel's over there and a shopping mall right in the middle and maybe some amusement parks, a Six Flags. And, you know, he didn't invent uh, um, America. What he did is just sort of discovered it. And I know there's a lot of other people discovered it too. But it was here all along. You get what I'm saying? It was here all along. He just happened to run into it on his way to India. <laughs> a, okay. I, I have discovered some cool places on my way to somewhere else. Um, in, in my experience, the Christian life is so full of these wonderful discoveries. See, when I was even just a child, I discovered that God loved me. And he loves you so much that he sent his own son, his only begotten son, his special son, his unique son, his monogamous, Jesus, to die for me. For me. Wow. Then I discovered that if I put my trust in Jesus, that I could have all of my sins forgiven. What? That's like getting your, you know, your credit card statement and it says balance zero, zero, zero. Yeah, you ran up several thousand dollars this month on your card, but you know what? We forgave it. You did it. It was there, but we're not going to hold you accountable for it. What? 
Jesus forgave me for all of my sins. And that not only that, I would have an eternal home in heaven. Bonus. It's like when I die, I don't just die. I'm transferred. I'm transfigured. I'm moved to a new place. Wow. Those are pretty amazing discoveries. But then I discovered that the Christian life is not me because it started off in grace. Okay, I started off crying my eyes out on my knees going, I cannot believe my good fortune. I can't believe this good deal. Knowing that I couldn't do this on my own. Trying to be good. Trying to get it right. You know, all of that. But then realizing, God, I'm, I'm just a, tell, I'm a failure. I'm not really very good at being a Christian. And neither are you. So then I discovered this. That it's not about that. It's not about me trying to live for Jesus. Sounds spiritual, you know, sounds, sounds good. No, the deeper truth is that Jesus lives in me and wants to live his life in through my life. Now, many of you in this room, you know that first discovery along with me. You know that second discovery. You've, you've had that yourself. But that third one is something kind of new or just a shift. It's a, it's a different thing. One of my favorite writers, uh, I don't know if I've read everything he's written, but I've read a lot. I've read most of, of his books, and I think he's one of the most brilliant Christian minds uh, of the 20th century. Uh, I actually got to visit... Uh, well, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> this sounds wrong when I say actually went to the pub where he hung out uh, with guys like J.R.R. Tolkien and some others. But I did go past that. And you know what? C.S. Lewis wrote this. When Christians say Christ is in them, they do not mean simply mental or moral. This is not simply a way of saying that they're thinking about Christ or copying him, are you ready? They mean that Christ is actually operating through them. Let's break this verse down, and let me share with you how I think it applies to all of our lives. And... Um, I'm trying to change, I'm trying to adapt, I'm trying to not keep canoeing when I should be climbing mountains, you know, but uh, this just fell apart for me in, in three parts. I know that's pretty, pretty traditional homiletically, but here we go. I, I think uh, when Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, that that's the first truth that we find in this scripture. There is an executed life. I've been executed. It doesn't sound very glamorous. You know what? Nobody told me about this part. When I became a Christian, I think all anybody ever said was, ask Jesus to come into your life. A lot of you went through that yourself, right? They even skipped repentance. <laughs> now, some of you got even better teaching, and it was like, you need to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your life. Nobody whispered to me, oh, and you need to die to yourself. What? I'm sorry? Yeah, you need to live a crucified life. Well, I didn't know about that part. 
You see, that kind of takes the glamour down a little bit, the attraction. But Paul wrote that in Christ, we died. Not only did Jesus die on the cross, we died on the cross. We didn't die physically. We died to self and to sin. You know, we've sanitized the cross into a religious symbol, but it didn't look like that. It didn't look like the jewelry we wear or the tattoos you get or any of that. It's not like on your stationery. It, it, it was, and it will always be a mode of execution. It was a hangman's noose. It was an electric chair. It's a lethal injection during Paul's time. It's a way of death. Jesus was crucified for our sins, and we were crucified with him. I don't think, uh, I can't remember anybody telling me that part. Paul used a past tense verb. He didn't say, I will be crucified, or, you know, I'm being crucified. And he goes, no, we were crucified. It was something that already happened. You know, if you watch detective shows or even read the newspaper in real life, det- detectives try to determine the time of death. And that's pretty amazing. You know, you watch those shows, and some of them are kind of gruesome, and, but it's just amazing. that You know, they come up on the body that's been shot or stabbed or whatever, you know, hit by a bus or whatever. They go, yeah, yeah, I can tell by his eyelids. He died at 3.43 p.m. yesterday. And I think, you can't tell that. And I think, yeah, we can. It's called forensics. Okay, we died. There was a point of time that we can go back and see when we died. And it was 2,000 years ago with Jesus on the cross. You were crucified with him. In Colossians 3, I could, I could read 200 verses today, and I'm trying to restrain myself and just limit to some. Colossians 3, verse 2 and 3, Paul said... Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life now is hidden with Christ in God, because you died. Paul wrote in Romans 6.11 that we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I've said before, we were talking this morning in the tech booth, that this is a good southern word. And I like that, that God just kind of gave a wink to Tennesseans, you know, and said, I'm going to put some of your vocab in the Bible. I reckon that I'm uh, been crucified, you know. I reckon it's so. And, and that's, you know, I'm fixing to be crucified. You know, uh, th- this is, we understand this. Are you crucified with Christ? Every day you ought to say, well, I reckon so. <laughs> I reckon it's so. That's Bible right there. Now, we have been crucified with Christ, but every day it's like we renew that death certificate. Okay. And, and that's why Paul said, and this is a verse I hadn't read a lot, but wow, this just really uh, spoke to me. It's in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty to 31, because you get a little glimpse of Paul's personality at the end. He said this, why do we endanger ourselves? I mean, Paul, if you follow the life of Paul, he's in trouble all the time. He's always getting beat up, and he's, he's almost killed several times, and he just goes through all these adventures, and he says, why in the world do you think we do this? What, what, why would we endanger ourselves every hour? <laughs> he said this. I die every day. I mean that, brothers. 
Just in case you thought it was a metaphor or you thought it was poetic or just language that, oh, that Paul, he expresses himself so eloquently. He goes, no, 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 seriously, I die every day. I mean that. The secret to living the Christian life is dying to yourself. And that leads me to this next part of the scripture where, where Paul says, so I no longer live. It's not about me anymore. Christ lives in me. And this is what I call uh, the exchanged life. The exchanged life. Jesus lives in you. Now, I'll tell you where we got this phrase, the exchanged life. It started with a guy named Hudson Taylor. Does anybody remember Hudson Taylor? He was a famous pioneer missionary to China. And he was so cool because he was one of the first people to just give himself away in every place that he could think of. He dressed Chinese. He, he ate Chinese. He lived. He spoke. He breathed. He did everything he could to immerse himself into a culture but bring the gospel to that culture. Everybody else was trying to be British or American or, you know, whatever they were and then bring the gospel and say, well, you kind of also need to look like me and act like me and wear these kind of clothes. Not Hudson Taylor. Brilliant, devoted guy. But here's the thing. Nothing was happening. He was a terrible failure as a missionary. And he just wondered after all this time's gone by and he goes, I think I'm doing everything right. I don't know what else to do. But I'm, I'm awful at this. I'm failing. And then he hit on this secret. He had struggled for years and had none of the power. But then he discovered the key to death to self and the power of the indwelling Christ. And something happened. He exchanged his weakness for the strength of Christ And when he did, God started doing these amazing things through him. One of his children, his son, found his journal. And in it, he had written this phrase, the exchanged life. And the son said, that's it. That's what happened to my dad. It's like he exchanged his life for another life. And it stuck. And so different ministries and places have picked up on that because it just seems to kind of explain that pretty well. Now, in Galatians 2.20, Paul uses personal pronouns, I and me, seven times. The central problem of sin and guilt and pride and, and all of that is I. You know, it's me. Because I'm still at the center of things. This big I, you know, it's just constantly trying to climb back onto the throne of my own heart and displace Jesus. Excuse me, scoot over can you scoot over? Can you scoot over a little bit? You know, And we just keep moving Jesus over until we're on the throne. That's what this is about. So this is hard. This is a tough part. We have to constantly renounce self and surrender who we are and our will to Jesus. The path to life is a path to death. Christ with you is good. Christ for you. It's awesome. Christ beside you can be so comforting. But Christ in you? 
changes everything. Paul wrote this because it's, so, it's such a mystery. It's such a mysterious thing uh, to me. He said this in Colossians 1.27. To them, talking about us, the believers, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's it. Christ in you changes you. You know, Jesus said, uh, we all must be born of water and of spirit. And I think that water, what he means really is just physical birth. You know, there's the, you know, the, the water breaking. So, so my life is, is just, and that's all it is, is just water. Okay? And that's my life. That's water. Now, something really kind of crazy happens, um, and water's okay. Water's the only, only beverage I can think of whose taste is defined by its temperature. You know, if it's lukewarm, you think, mm-hmm. and those of us who've been, maybe you've been to Haiti, or you've been on mission trips, or Guatemala, and halfway through the day, you're doing a medical clinic, and, and your water bottle's just sitting there on the dirt, you know, and you think, that's all I got, and I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink it, but it's just like hot. It's just like warm water. Now we like to put it. We like ice water. We like cold water. We like it like that. Well, that you know, that's that's my life, and I can change the temperature of it. But here's this cool thing, and I want you to get this. Okay, this is this is coffee. Now I could say, man, I'd love some coffee, and somebody said, yeah, you know what? I got one right here. Dude, thank you so much. You know, and I, I could do that. Some of you are so addicted, that's you're you're saying, what's wrong with that? Is that's not a sin, right? I mean, it's not in the Bible, and you've got these in your car, and probably in your you know in your backpack, and that's what you do. You walk on campus and you just eat curry cups. But it's so much better if you do this. You know, you put that, you do this. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Watch, this is so amazing. All I'm doing when I push this button. And hoping, dear Lord, this works. I hear it. Okay, good. Thank you, Jesus. Now, is that when, when this begins to go, all I'm doing is I'm taking this water and I'm forcing it, I'm pushing it through coffee. Coffee beans that have been roasted and, and ground up. And, and all I'm doing is flowing that water. You see where I'm going, don't you, already? I'm just flowing it through. And now, this water... It's still, still water, but it's not so much. It's something different now. You know, I, I never tell somebody, hey, you know, sometimes we have vendors come in or repair guys, or sometimes we'll just say, hey, hey you, you want a cup of coffee? Would you like something to drink? Would you like a cup of coffee? I never say, would you like some hot water with coffee in it? That just sounds weird, right? Would you like some water with tea inside it? We can do that. No, we always, because we understand that it's not water anymore. Now, it's something different. And I can't ever change my mind about this, by the way. Well, I don't want to be coffee anymore. Good luck with that. Now, I want to get the coffee out and just be water again. No, you can't. And that's just a little... A, a, a little shout out to eternal security. Um, but this is now 
Mm. As delicious as Keurig can be, a cup of coffee, okay? And I know the snobs and the connoisseurs here are thinking, I can't believe you just drank that. I know, it's not the best, but you get the idea. It's, the nature is changed. You know, the water, if it could talk, <laughs> what y'all study in church today? I think it was something about like talking water. The guy's really just kind of weird. But if water could talk, it would say, it is no longer I, water, <laughs> but coffee that lives in me. That's what it is. Not many people drink hot water. But a lot of people drink hot coffee several cups a day. And it becomes this energizing, delicious, addictive drink. The coffee, the presence of the coffee infused with the water actually changes the nature of what that is now. And this change is permanent. It's an unchangeable change. Now it's something new. It's coffee. And we understand. In the same way, Christ in you changes your nature. You're not the same. Sometimes we try to keep I alive. (laughs) I want to keep me in there. And I say, I'm going to do the very best I can for Jesus today. And I fail. No, because the big I needs to die. The I that commits sinful things and that even tries to do good. Let me ask you a question. Who can live the Christian life better? You or Jesus? Well, I think since Jesus is the, I mean, since he's the founder, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Jesus. Anybody that can predict his own death and die and then raise from the dead, I'm going with that guy. So Jesus can live the Christian life. So obviously, you know, the, the, the next question is then why are you still trying to do it? Some of you are shoppers and you're good at it. We're all consumers. We're all shoppers. And you're good at making exchanges. Okay, and it's kind of, they've tried to make it easier. You can do it at a retail store. You can do it on Amazon or, you know, any of the, the sites where you order something and go, yeah, it didn't fit, not exactly the color I thought, you know. It looked this way online, but now it looks like this. So what do you do? You exchange it, send it back, and you get a different one, okay? And you stand in line. You go down to Best Buy or Target or somewhere and you stand in line. Can you imagine standing in an exchange line? Uh, my grandsons had these little, little toy cell phones, you know, plastic. And they, when they were younger, we'd pretend. And they're in the other room. And we're just shouting room to room is all we're doing over a plastic cell phone. But they're pretending. You know, what if I took that little cell phone? You know, what if I walk into the Apple store and say, yeah, hey, yeah, I need, yeah, I'd like to exchange this for a new iPhone 10. Yeah, just, it's just not meeting my expectations. It's just not doing what, what I'd like to, to do. So I'm going to exchange that. Or some of you Android people, I'll give you, okay, say a new Galaxy the S boy phone. And, and, and say, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade in this plastic. I mean... First of all, you think, oh, that's ridiculous. 
And that'd be a, that'd be a funny a carbonaro or you know candy camera or something to go in and just say yeah i need to i want to exchange this toy cell phone for you know new iphone x and, he, and the guy looks at you and goes you know that's just kind of not we're that we're not going to do that it's not going to happen or we will do it but you've got to add in like hundreds and now hundreds and hundreds of of dollars but what if you could make that exchange what if i told you this afternoon they're going to be doing that deal down at the the, the apple store we'd all be lined up We'd all be lined up doing that. You'd take your six S's and your, your O Galaxy and you'd, you'd take your, you know, your iPhone 7 and you, you would go down and you'd say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that deal. I'll take an even trade like that. Well, that's the exchanged life with Christ. That's what it's all about. You are actually exchanging your old life of sin and guilt and shame. And all of that, a life of death, and you're exchanging it. You know, you ever made a deal and you think, oh, I hope they don't, you know, before this is over that they don't pull out. You ever had that? You ever been in a garage sale or you're making a deal, you bid on something and you think, nobody sees it, nobody sees it. You're real nervous at the last minute it's going to fall apart. This is not going to fall apart. This is really the deal. This is the exchanged life. I exchanged my weakness for his strength, my ignorance for his wisdom. I exchanged my prejudice for his love, my anger for his gentleness, all of my inabilities and incompetencies for his ability. He exchanged life. Augustine was one of the leading pastors in the early church, and as a young man, he was. He grew up living just sort of a, a wild life. He had no regard for sin, no regard for uh, righteousness. One of the things he was particularly known for was his loose conduct with women. St. Augustine, who would have thought? But he was very promiscuous. So Augustine lived this life, but then something happened. And, and I give credit to he had this godly mother who prayed and prayed for him to find Jesus. And and, and he did. He gave his life to Christ as a young adult. And he was concerned about what's going to happen, you know, when I confront some of these women. Uh, and he, he writes, this is in his, in his, uh, his uh, journal, his autobiographical wrote. I mean, he was so concerned. I think, how many women was it in your village, you know? Because he's concerned about running into them. You know, at the restaurant, at the mall or somewhere, you're going, oh, great, there's Shirley, you know. And if you're Shirley, I'm not implying that you had anything to do with St. Augustine. But he had a past, okay? And these women have been part of his history. And so one day he's walking down the street in Milan, Italy, okay? He, he's walking down the street, and this young lady calls out to him, Augustine, Augustine, hey! He just ignores her. And he keeps on walking, and she's yelling, and she's flirting with him. And he just keeps walking, and she thinks, he doesn't know who I am. And she goes, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. Augustine paused for only a moment and replied and then walked away. And he said this, yes, I know who you are, but it is no longer I. It is no longer I. This great principle that begins with an execution leads to the exchange. And then it becomes energized life. It becomes something new. 
And that's when Paul says, you know, I live by faith in the Son of God. And there's a huge difference between a person trying to live a good life and a person who has surrendered to the goodness of Jesus. The truth is, I don't possess enough power or energy or morality to live a good life. Galatians 5.22 mentions the gift, uh, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about this in, in one of our lessons on the Holy Spirit just a couple of weeks ago. And, and here they are, just as a reminder. They're love, joy, patience, peace, excuse me, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, to be a good Christian, you know, you don't have to get up every day with a checklist, with those in your phone, you know, with those in your journal, and to say, oh, what? let me see if I can get these, and try. I'm going to try to live up to these nine character qualities every day of my life when we get up. No, you know what? Those are just simply words trying to sum up, trying to give you a picture of the personality of Jesus. And as I allow, here's the idea, as I allow Jesus to live in me, he animates those qualities in me. It's him. Paul identified his own source of strength. He wrote this in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul said, yeah, I'm working hard, but you know what my fuel is? You know where I'm getting this? It's from Jesus, not from me. It's not from me. Maybe, I think my favorite part of Galatians 2.20 of this verse is the very last part. Uh, Because it says, you know, what Jesus did for us and why he did it. Paul wrote this. He said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of the first preachers I ever listened to when I first came to Christ uh, became one of my heroes in the faith. I can't tell you how many cassette tapes we actually still have of this man's sermons. He's preached here at Calvary several times and on some of our retreats. His name was Dr. Adrian Rogers, and he was the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, one of the biggest churches um, in, in the country, I guess. Uh, the pastor there now is Steve Gaines, who I actually went to Union with. He lived in the apartment next door to me. And, uh, but, but Dr. Rogers was just this, an amazing guy. He's a big, big influence on me. And I heard him say this. In every person's heart, there is a throne and there is a cross. When we are on the cross, then Christ is on the throne. But when we are on the throne then Christ is alone on the cross. Someone asked Dr. Rogers, and we we had a chance to go out and eat with him a few times, and we would try to think of questions, not just because we wanted to know the answer to the questions, but questions that would make us look smart for asking the question. You know, oh, you've done that. Somebody asked Dr. Rogers, what is the secret to being used in such an extraordinary, incredible way by God. 
And I quietly answered your voice. <laughs> you could read, he could read a nursery rhyme or a grocery list, and I would fall under conviction and get saved. I mean, he just had this beautiful, this beautiful voice. But here's what Dr. Rogers said. He said, every morning, during my quiet time, I consider the chair I am sitting in to be an electric chair. Every morning, I push the 220 button and 220 volts surge through my selfish nature. He said, I am a dead man, but Christ lives in me once I began to understand that Jesus lives in me and wants to love people through me and forgive people through me and encourage people through me it made this giant difference in in my personal life and I think in my ministry and instead of trying to imitate and keep mimicking the life of Jesus which I found to be, frankly, impossible, I started learning to simply abide in Jesus. And I'm still learning that. I'm not there. There's so many times when I operate out of my flesh. You see myself. There's so many times I just want to use my own strength and my own wits. I have to get back on the cross. Have you allowed the truth and the power of Galatians 2.20 to surge through your life and to change you? Are you just still trying to live for Jesus? Let him live. Let Holy Spirit live in you and through you. I'm not sure how to initiate that. It's an act of grace just like everything else. But I did do this. I wrote out a prayer, and I've actually used it here before. I call it the Selfers Prayer. And I don't have a lot of copies, but I've got enough probably. Um, And this is just a way that if you would like it, as we stand in just a moment and sing this song together, I'm just going to scatter these on these steps. And if you want to come and look at one, if you don't get one, see somebody that did and, and copy theirs. Or if you email me, I'll send it to you. It's just a a Word doc. Um, It's just a prayer. And there's nothing magic about this prayer. You already may know in your heart, I know what I need to pray. And I know how I need to release myself and surrender myself and allow Christ to come in me. But if you need a guide, if you need something, this is really pretty good. (laughs) You're welcome to have one. Take it with you. I, I even shrunk it down and cut it so that it might fit in your journal or your Bible so that you could have it with you, so that maybe you might want to do this often. Just repeat this. Let's stand and let's sing. These will be here for you. Father, help us today as we die to ourselves and we allow Christ to live in us.